This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. As you heard in Bob's News, thousands are expected to gather to protest the Ford government's cuts to Toronto public health. The question is, how much is being cut and what programs are at risk? In addition to the war of words, there is a war of numbers with a huge discrepancy between the city's calculations and the province's. The city puts the figure at about $65 million cut for the coming year and 84 million in 2020, 2021, and a staggering 1 billion over the course of a decade. The province puts the figure at 25 million for the year and 33 million for 2020, 2021. Now, at issue is the way each government is crunching the numbers for the cost-sharing formula, and I don't want to get into the weeds of this accounting, but we have to figure out who to believe. So, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Right now, on the line, let's go to Mayor John Tory. Mayor Tory, thanks so much for being with us. It's a pleasure, Libby, and I will say I don't want to get into the weeds of all these calculations either, but I'll just say this. We have set out how we calculated our number the government of Ontario never has, like in writing, where they put it down in writing. And I'm quite happy that we should have the two sets of calculations side by side and let people make their own decisions with the real bottom line being that no matter which calculation you accept, let's say it is one or the other, uh, that, that they're cutting back by tens of millions of dollars on public health expenditures. And they're doing it in the case of the city. They're doing it for all cities. So all the people listening across southern Ontario, every city or town is having a very substantial cutback. And in the case of Toronto, the cutbacks are bigger. They deliberately made the cutbacks millions more uh, in Toronto than in any other city. And I certainly don't understand the reasoning behind that. Uh, You have called this a targeted attack on the health of our city. Stand yeah, by well, that? I mean, I called it. I called it a targeted attack because Toronto is being singled out for special bad attention. In other words, the cutbacks that we're experiencing are much bigger than any other city. And when when I say it's an attack on the health of Torontonians, it is. I mean, these programs. I don't. Uh, part of the problem, Libby, is that a lot of people don't know what public health does. What they do is ranging all the way from restaurant inspections to make sure when you go in to eat in a place in Toronto, of which there are thousands of restaurants, that they're safe. So they have the green sign in the window, and sometimes. Sometimes restaurants are closed because they find places that are unsanitary and whatnot. They do dental inspections on young people. They do the student nutrition programs for kids who are going to school hungry. They do uh, the infectious disease control. And, and frankly, that all arose out of SARS when we lost 44 uh, people in Toronto who died from an infectious disease coming. We forget about these things. So 
a lot of people don't understand these are the programs that are delivered by uh, Toronto Public Health and the and by other cities too, Mississauga and Peel and, and, and Durham and so forth. And the other real irony of this is that many of the things that were required to deliver on infectious diseases and immunization and all that kind of stuff are things that are mandated by provincial legislation. So we're doing it because their law says so. They paid for that reason a share of the cost, and they're now just unilaterally out of the blue and retroactively uh, cutting back on the amount they will contribute. So to me, when I hear the minister saying in the newscast that we can all just sort of suck it up and move forward, I say to myself, well, that's fine for you to say, uh, you know, when you just unilaterally, without any consultation, changed what you were going to contribute, but still told us we had to carry out these responsibilities they thought were important in their laws. Uh just uh, this hour, we we both heard Christine Elliott speak. She said that there was a $52 million surplus over the last five years in the public health budget. Is that accurate? And where's that money? Well, the money is reinvested into public health, but let's let's say it's accurate. I can't. I don't have the number in front of me. The first I heard of it was I heard it in your newscast when I guess you mentioned it in the legislature this yep. morning. But let let's say it's true. So, if that's true, what does that have to do really with the fact that uh, they're cutting back tens of millions? I mean, we argue it's sixty million dollars plus this year. So, let's say there was a surplus of a few million dollars that could be applied against those cuts. It still means you're say sixty million behind. So, you know, they keep saying this. They say last week, uh, they, they keep changing their, their kind of uh, you know, explanation for this every day. Last week they said, well, we were getting all this money for public transit, so right. we really shouldn't feel too badly about the fact they were cutting tens of millions out of public health. Well, the fact is, those two have actually nothing to do with each other. And in the case, I'll concede that if the public health has had a surplus, that, it, 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 that, that that's a small um, sort of thing that sort of says, well, all right, we might be able to absorb some of what they're imposing, but it's a pretty tiny fraction of the cutbacks we say are 60 million plus this year and growing in the years to come and that Toronto is still being discriminated against relative to other cities in Ontario and I don't know why. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have a percentage on the discrimination there? Well, yes, because what they've said in a nutshell is they will take most of these programs that are 70-30 right now, the province pays 70 and the city uh, pays 30, and they will move the rest of the province to 60-40 and they will move us to 50-50. So but we're not being right away. Quite, yeah, well, no, it's over three years, but we will end up, three years from now, we'll end up paying half the cost of all these programs, whereas today we're paying 30%, and the other cities across the province, without exception, every other city, Ottawa, London, Windsor, they'll all end up paying uh, paying uh, 40%, and we pay 50 So I, why is that? Why is Toronto different? I would argue, if anything, we should be getting more support from the province, because we, any big city, the biggest city is always, um, what's the word, a magnet for people that have more of these kinds of troubles and concerns just because they think they can get the support here. And so I would argue we should get, if anything, better treatment, but I'd be quite happy with equal treatment. Uh, She also mentioned some programs as the province's priorities, and that being vaccines and school nutrition. So it sounded like a commitment, don't worry, nothing's going to happen to those programs. And I believe some of those are funded 100% by the province. There are some programs that are funded 100%. But what I'll say to you is that what it sounded like to me when I heard her saying that, and I heard it again in your newscast, or I saw it in the news, uh, is that she's saying some other kinds of programs, whether it's, you know, dental care for young people or the new baby checks that are done. Uh, you know, when newborns are come into the world, they, we send a public nurse around, a public health nurse around to see them, or even the restaurant checks.
projects, which didn't make her list of priorities, it sounds like she's saying those things are expendable. And I respectfully disagree. I mean, I think the health of food and restaurants, the well-being of children's teeth, uh, and so forth that didn't make her list of priorities are very important things to the health and well-being of this city. Um, and this city and its health and well-being is very important to the prosperity and success of this province. So, and by the way, I, I don't, in this case, I don't speak just about Toronto, though, because the fact is those same programs carried out in other cities like Ottawa and London, and I think you'll be hearing from the mayors of other big cities who are going to say, we have the same problem. It isn't just a Toronto thing. Uh, it's cities across the province that are being dealt with. And effectively, what they've done here is they've downloaded these things. You know, the word downloading is back. Yep. What that means is the province just that, that shuffles off this responsibility to the city, and they claim they're saving money when, in fact, it puts us in a position where we either have to raise taxes, then they stand up and proudly say they didn't have to raise taxes, and we either do or cut services. And they then somehow pretend they had nothing to do with it, and I just don't accept that. I think that's not transparent. And, and besides which, we set our budgets, because you and I talked about the City of Toronto's budget, we set our budgets a couple of months ago, and we're required by law to balance it, which is a good thing, uh, and we set the tax rate based on all of that, and now all of a sudden they come along and retroactively cut things, uh, which, which leaves us with that bad choice that I talked about, whereas they could have consulted with us and perhaps found ways uh, to achieve efficiencies not on, uh, on the backs of you know, hungry children or, or, or kids' teeth. Uh, I have a couple more questions. First of all, sure. is there anything being uh, cut that affects the older demographic? I'm just trying to think now um, about that. Uh, it doesn't immediately come to mind, but you know, I, I you, you'd be better off to ask the people from the Board of Health. But I, you know, the there's all of these programs in their own way affect you know sort of large numbers of demographics. But clearly, something like a student nutrition program, young dental programs does not. Um, I will tell you, this is a part of a series of cutbacks. Lots of them, all put together on things like childcare, tourism funding, uh, gasoline tax that is going to have a big impact on the city of Toronto and therefore every resident who lives in it. But I think on the senior side, um, I'm not sure any of these particular public health initiatives target seniors, if I can use that word. Uh, I think the seniors will be affected by a number of them. I mean, infectious diseases, who tend to be the people that are more prone to get an infectious disease if it's spreading through the community? It's older people who are a little you know, more frail in some cases and, and, and so on. So I just would say that public health generally should be a major concern of all seniors and therefore when you cut it back, uh, and that's the other thing I mention often is that when you cut back investment in public health, one of their priorities that I believe is the, the right priority for this government of Ontario, which is to end hallway medicine, um, I think is going to be adversely affected by cutbacks to public health, which keep people out of the hospital and keep them from getting sick. And so I think this is an unwise cutback, uh, which will lead in fact, to increased healthcare expenditures overall over time. We've just been learning that the province is now dangling the prospect of, of one-time funding just to cover the transition. Uh, it also strikes me this is not the first time we've seen that in education, autism, uh, and some of these difficult cutbacks. So what can you tell us about that? Is that happening? And, and um, will it? Wh- how far will it go to solve the problem? Well, part of the problem for this whole thing has been that, uh, like the first uh, indication in writing that we received of any of the details, and we still don't have a lot, of this whole cutback in public health was like last Friday. And, and previously this thing had gone on 
around for seven or eight days without anything in writing. And so now things keep getting added that are not necessarily, you know, even part of that written record saying, okay, we're now going to explore one-time funding. The problem with one-time funding is exactly what its name implies. It's one-time funding. And so what they're saying is we'll help you get through uh, the period of the cutback by making it a little easier for you. But then at the end of the three years, the cutback is still going to be the cutback of tens of millions of dollars. And the choice that I mentioned a moment ago, which is either to raise taxes municipally or to cut services, still remains in front of you because the one-time funding runs out. It only comes one time. So I don't think it is a solution at all. What it's often meant to do is put a Band-Aid over these things so that hopefully the debate dies down and it takes the heat off the government. And I think that we'd be very unwise to let the foot off the gas here uh, because I think we have the opportunity now. And one of the reasons we sent these letters out to MPPs uh, outlining school by school, neighborhood by neighborhood, program by program. And in fact, I have the list here that uh, from one of the wards in Toronto, and I was just going to look and see whether there was anything that affected seniors that was on the list. But I was just uh, you know, going to say to you that I, well, for example, the inspection of long-term care, food inspections, infection prevention, and, and uh, uh, outbreak responses, that's covered by public health uh, for, for long-term care. So that involves older people, of course. But I would just say the one-time funding doesn't address any of that. Three years from now, you're still left with the whole challenge but you'll of, take it. Well, I'm not, I'm not, well, look, I'm not saying that because at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I want to try and do a much better deal for the citizens of Toronto and, and for the citizens of other cities in the province then to accept the Band-Aid because that's in effect accepting that we think what they're doing overall with this is right, subject to some timing consideration, and I just think it's wrong no matter when you do it. Okay, Mayor Tory, uh, this uh, thing is obviously going to continue, and uh, we will be talking uh, uh, to you about it. Happy to talk to you about it as, as the universe unfolds. So be thank okay, you. Okay, thank okay. you so much, Mayor now. John Tory. Okay, for the other side of this war of numbers, we now go to PC MPP Robin Martin, who is the parliamentary assistant to Health Minister Christine Elliott. Um, Ms. Martin, hello. Hello, how are you? Fine. Uh, so I don't know if you have been listening in to what the mayor had to say. I heard the last part of it. Okay, well, basically there's a big discrepancy uh, between the figures that you have and the figures that he have. Uh, he has. The city says that this cut amounts to $65 million in the coming year, $84 million, uh, in 2021. And uh, the budget has already been set, and uh, he puts some very crucial programs. He's saying they are at risk. Uh, yes, yes. I have to. I have to say that the city's uh, approach uh, and arguments on this have evolved over time. It reminds me of uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One, Shakespeare, where four four knights in Kendall Green attack the coach, uh, and then later it's twelve knights in Kendall Green. So the story keeps getting bigger. But um, but um, what's his name? Uh, Mayor Tory and also the councillor who's been adamant about this started off uh, saying it was a billion dollars without any explanation. Over of, 10 years. Well, now they say over 10 years. At first, it was just a billion dollar cut, right? And, uh, and they also said we never talked to them, and we talked to them on Monday, April 15th. So that story had to change as well. And uh, they also said that it was going to cover school nutrition programs, and we pointed out that that funding is a separate, dedicated stream of funding. So I think the story has evolved a little bit as they've uh, changed their position. Um, but what they're saying basically is they don't think that they can handle any cuts, 
uh, at all. Any, uh, any, if there's no efficiencies to be found in their public health budget. And I just don't accept that the city of Toronto can't do a better job at setting their priorities and getting more value out of taxpayer dollars. And I suspect that taxpayers will feel the same way. Mm-hmm. There's lots of waste in the city, including a recent uh, Auditor General uh, independent report that I saw in the paper April 26th which says that there there's lots of money and lots of opportunities to find better value. What about changing the funding model and uh, the argument that you are targeting Toronto? Because right now it's 70-30, uh, 30 for Toronto, and that for other cities it's going down to 60-40, but Toronto will have to come up with 50%. Why is that? Yeah, so I think it's a little context is important. The Health Protection and Promotion Act has always said that municipalities are responsible for for funding public health. And what has happened over time is that the provincial government has uh, paid some of that. And traditionally, it was a 50-50 split for everybody. Um, And uh, it went to 75-25 uh, at one point, uh, we're trying to uh, make sure that we live within our means. We, we, we're following a government that spent $40 million every day that it did not have. And so what we have to do is get our fiscal house in order. We promised people that we would do that. That's one of the main reasons we were elected to do that. And we're trying to make responsible, measured changes that will modernize our public health system and have responsibilities. Uh, uh, you know, we'll keep paying our responsible share of public health for Toronto, that'll be 50-50. And for other municipalities... Why why does Toronto have to come up with more proportionally than other cities when Mayor Tory pointed out a fact that, in fact, a lot of... There are a lot more people who come to the city because they need support and help. Why why does Toronto have to... We also have economies of scale in a bigger population. um, And a lot of the rural municipalities for example, have to cover vast areas, much larger areas, and there are additional costs and additional challenges that go along with that. Sometimes they have to have many more uh, locations, for example, facilities available for people, or they have to run some programs in a mobile way. The, the city doesn't have those challenges because it is in one place, as it were. So that's the reason. It's not targeting Toronto. That Toronto does have economies of scale, and it, it also you know, has the... Um, has uh, the bigger tax base, of course. And so you're saying that you are going to fund the child nutrition programs out of a completely different envelope, and it's not yeah, covered? Yeah, we deliver funding in two ways for some of these public health um, uh, things. Uh, things like school nutrition and vaccines and the consumption and treatment sites um, and also dental care, we fund in separate dedicated specific program funding. You know, we made an announcement just last week, which is for low-income seniors, uh, we're going to be providing a public health service, which is, uh, you know, dental care available for low-income seniors. It's a $90 million program. That money is separate and apart from the money that we cost-share uh, and uh, give to Toronto Public Health. So those things are dedicated and will not be touched. And, and our school nutrition program uh, is funded actually out of the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services. And so it's not even in the, the Ministry of Health and it's not part of this at all. Okay, and finally, uh, you are offering one-time funding to ease the transition? 
Um, we're in discussions with the City of Toronto. We're trying to work with them. We offered to, to review programs with them to find savings. And so that's why this discussion has come up. We're not trying to make life difficult. We are really trying to work with the city and other municipalities to give them more of a say and more control over uh, programs uh, for public health. Um, but we expect them to prioritize uh, the things that matter most and, and not waste the money on on uh, things that are less, you know, salient to the the real public health concerns of people. Obviously, we want to make sure that people stay healthy, stay out of hospital. We're working very hard on ending hallway health care. Right now, we have a thousand people every day um, who are in hallways, uh, in hospitals hospital hallways and not getting care in a proper place and and I know Libby that your audience is a lot of seniors it, it really upsets me to see seniors in hallways in hospitals because uh, you know seniors are prone to get delirium in hospitals especially if they don't sleep and it's hard to sleep in a hospital hallway so that is our priority we're trying to um, reorganize and modernize our healthcare system and I think Christine Elliott our minister is People trust her because they know she knows what she's talking about and that she's putting the main priorities, uh, you know, up front. And that is patient care. We're putting everything into frontline services and patient care. Okay. Uh, MPP Robin Martin, Parliamentary Assistant to uh, the Health Minister, Christine Elliott. Thanks so much for being with us. My great pleasure. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Well, we will see what a city councillor has to say about that we are going to Councillor Shelley Carroll. Hi, Shelley. How are you? Hi, fine. Thanks, Libby. Were you uh, listening to MPP Robin Martin when she explained her view of this? I was, and and Mayor Tory as well. Um, I, I'm afraid I have to to correct one thing that uh, that uh, uh, Ms. Martin said, and I really mean a correction. This We're not returning to what was a norm in, in uh, making our way back to a 50-50 cost share. What we're doing is going back to a point in time that was wholly inadequate. And, and that was made crystal clear. Uh, we're, we're responsible for testing water quality. During the time we were at 50-50 in municipalities, in terms of what we share in funding with the province, you had the Walkerton crisis in a small town in Ontario. In, a, in the big city in Toronto, we had the SARS crisis. We had public health uh, workers uh, inadequately able to deal with the massive power failure and getting to vulnerable seniors because we were really, you know, in sharing by half, we were also at half-mast. And, and so what, uh, what that was was an inadequate point of time. If you go back to, to further back than that, you go to a time that, that Ms. Martin also describes in saying, we'll take care of dental care. Uh, don't worry about that thing over at the City of Toronto. Prior to, to reducing funding down to 50-50, there was also a problem in that uh, the province had a crazy quilt of services. We'll deliver some, you deliver some, and sometimes the, the cost-sharing formula is one amount and sometimes another. What we moved to over time was the most efficient way to deal with it. We all agree that local healthcare workers have the best uh, touch in the community. And so while healthcare should be an income tax responsibility, it's part of healthcare, it should actually be delivered close to the ground by municipal employees. 
So we share in the funding. The province gets it done. They pay 75%. We pay 25% because that means that we have to keep the administration at a low cost and, and really make sure we're managing that piece because we're responsible for yeah, that. Yeah, the mayor piece. said 70-30. I thought it was 75-25, but the... It was. The I was cringing, but I thought, well, he's had a long week and, okay. and it's only Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was seventy five twenty five, but yeah, it it's is. only yeah. Tuesday. Do you agree mm-hmm. with him that Toronto is being targeted? Well, yes. Uh, as far as we know, we're the only ones being expected to get to fifty fifty and quickly. And what that means for uh, for people at home is that right now, uh, sixty five million dollars of of the work that gets done in public health gets done with their property tax dollars. And uh, the province pays the other $195 million. If we can't make $65 million more dollars materialize so that we, we, get, we double the amount we're putting in now and get up to paying for 55, 50% of, of the cost of public health, things must be cut. And what's worse is, if they're really committed to demanding that it always be 50-50, if we don't come up, they get to come down even lower which means they're they're really walking away from all of the measures that are the good preventative health that happens in in Toronto. Uh okay, so uh they also said this is seems to be part of the discrepancy uh in the numbers. There are some programs that they fund 100% and the city's numbers assume that they would fund none of it and they're saying no, we we fund school nutrition out of a different pile of dough. Well, I guess that's that's their intention that they will they will uh, uh, then go forward to fund school nutrition. But what we had before was that consistency. We knew exactly what share was coming to them, and it flowed through Toronto Public Health. And a lot of people aren't aware. They say, "Oh, why are governments feeding?" What we leverage out of the province making that that regular contribution, and we were always very clear how much we would get from them, um, was we would match those dollars. We would, you know, instead of seventy five twenty five, we would put in a little more. And between those two governments, we're still only paying thirty percent of the cost of feeding children in schools. The private sector make huge donations every year because they they feel that they're really just partnering and that the governments are making sure the program is accountable. So if we now see the governments arguing over who's paying for what, we have to ask ourselves, is the private sector going to say, this is not a stable place to donate our money. There are lots of other things we could be doing with our money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a, a bit of a domino effect. Uh, exactly. What programs do you think will be hit the hardest? Well, you know, the ones that scare me the most, I've never been a member of the Board of Health, but my work with the Board of Health extends to the the Toronto Urban Health Fund. And those are programs that that uh, grant organizations that are, that are very volunteer-based but need funds to exist and to, to rent spaces. And they do such things as drug prevention, AIDS prevention, and reaching hard-to-reach youth who are, who are in various health crises. And those are the types of, uh, of grants that have to be delivered, not even by us because we're closer to the ground than the province, but by the very peers. We have organizations that do drug counseling, and they are uh, 
former drug addicts themselves who run not-for-profit agencies, and we grant them the funds to, to do the kind of work that they do, and then we go in and just monitor. We have a nurse that goes and monitors how they're doing that work. But those are the most successful connections we make. We save lives that way. The AIDS Prevention Grant Program that we have is one that, that Mayor Ford uh, wanted to cut as soon as he got here, and, and public health was able to stand up and say, you know what, this has to continue, so if you're not willing to do it with property tax, we'll go to the province, and the province said, of course we need that work done. Let's put it in on the list of things that we do, seventy-five, twenty-five, and they've been funding that grant, almost $2 million, and what that does is go out to all of the cultural groups that have HIV in the countries they've come from or have HIV, um, they have the virus in communities that they may be socializing with, all the way out as far as Rexdale and Agent Court, agencies, South Asian, Asian Scarborough Health Clinic, uh, uh, Rexdale Health Clinic, we grant them the money to do the work in places we can't reach and through their own cultural peers with a very small amount of money. If we did that with public health nurses from the city or from the province, we valued it once out to evaluated it that it would cost us about $800,000 to do what that one program is doing with 80000 Uh Shelley, what do you say to the contention that the reason that Toronto is getting a bitter, bigger cut than others is that it's a big city and therefore there are economies of scale? Well, you know, uh, um, the Premier was very fond when he when he worked in this building where I'm sitting right now of saying, come on, guys, there's only one taxpayer. There is only one taxpayer. And so I think that people know that when we do this, we're really just playing around with where should the money come from because um, it, it, it's it's all going to come out of the pocket of, of the people listening at home. But I, I would ask them this. When we're talking about health care, should it come out of the the pocket of those who are still working and earning and benefiting from our economy, or should it be taken from people on the basis of the value of their house? Property tax is the wrong place to fund the lion's share of preventative health work. You you don't you don't end the SARS epidemic using property tax dollars. You need the strongest the strongest fiscal partner to be the province because they're using income tax, which means they're focused far more on those people making the most in Ontario's strong economy. Okay. Shelley Carroll, I'm sure this debate and discussion will continue. Thanks so much for being with us. You bet. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.